Okay, well, welcome. This is WNCN Radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. Very happy you tuned in on this beautiful late summer day with uh, I think is going to be an interesting program. And I'm here with my friend and assistant, David Abood. Hey, John. Great to be here with you today. Yeah, good to be good to be back together. And uh, it just seems like a lot's happening. But I mean, I guess because summer's coming to an end. Yeah. COVID's over, supposedly. Right. School's starting. Yeah. Football season is getting to roll. You know, <laughs> yes. leaves are going to be turning. And so... Right. It's a good. I always think it's a great time of the year. When I lived for years overseas, this was one season I'd always miss was autumn in Ohio. Yeah, just gorgeous. So, so we've had some different guests on David in the past two months from literally around the world. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, very interesting guests, mm-hmm. and we've been on some different themes. But I thought we'd open it up today, and maybe you could explain a little bit better some of the things you were thinking about. Yeah. So, Jan, um, I've been blessed in that you and I have known each other for. Uh, close to 10 years now and um, uh, you were you and Marie were the president of WEC International which is basically uh, a mission uh, group that um, looks to plant churches and to bring the Word of God to people that might not have heard it without WEC's help and one of the things that you know we started on uh, back in 2013 is as you said to me when you were coming back you served a three-year term at WEC uh, as president, co-president with Marie, and you said, Dave, you know, I'm happy to mentor you, but I really think it's important that you pick the Bible up and read it front, you know, all the Old Testament, all the way through to the New Testament to the end. And so I did that. Mm-hmm. And and that's a very important uh, piece. So, um, and, you know, just the mentorship, you know, you taught me how to look at the Bible, how to interpret some things. I mean, I got a long, long ways to go. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's just been incredible. So one of the things I thought we would do today is just open it up to you where I could ask you questions just about some of the things that I asked you back Mm -hmm. over our 10-year history um, just to help either the new believers or people coming to Christ, people thinking about picking up a Bible, and I thought we could, you know, we could discuss that today. That sounds and good. And then see how it comes out. Yeah, I've done that before in different <clears throat> kind of settings. Okay. And again, for those that may not be familiar with WEC, that's simply the initials or the acronym for Worldwide Evangelization for Christ. It, yeah. Just by way of background, it's a, it's a mission organization started over a century ago. And it's in about 50 to 60 countries around the world today. Yeah. And that's what we were actually part of in Southeast Asia, my family and I, many years ago. So that was just a little yes. overview. And so, um, well, let's go ahead and then get started with the Bible itself. So, you know, on average, there's over 100 million Bibles printed each year, John, I believe. I think that's correct. Mm -hmm. And it's projected that there are more than 6 billion Bibles currently in print worldwide. So could you, like, give an overview of the Bible for for our listeners? Um, You know, that, you know, there's a lot of people that are just coming into their faith. Can you kind of just give the high 30,000 foot view yeah, of the Bible, yeah. the importance of it, how it's set up, etc. All right, sounds good, David. That's a very good question. So to back up just a couple paces, um, God, there's a famous author that said, God is and he is not silent. In other words, God reveals himself to us. He's given us intelligence, but he's also given us the ability to, to understand what he's revealed. Now, how does God reveal himself? Well, one of the ways he does is through nature. And the Bible says that God created the whole universe, everything, 
from the stars to you know the planets down to an elephant down to an ant to grass and trees and human beings um, but that reveals something about God and if he doesn't reveal himself we know very little about God it's a little like we're sitting in this office here David taping yeah. the show <clears throat> So an ant out in the parking lot doesn't really know what's going on here. All right. he knows is maybe the bottom of our shoe when we walk out to our car. Right. But God has chosen to reveal himself. The one way is he spoke the whole universe into existence. That's the first way. It's called general revelation, which means um, if you see it, like Abraham Lincoln says, everything I see teaches me to believe in a God whom I do not see. It says in Romans, the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 20, uh, the invisible things of God are clearly manifest by that it, everything that's created. So since the beginning of time, man is without excuse. Man can never say, I didn't know there was a God, because every day God is showing this great thing. That's number one. Um, the second way we're going to go to your question just one second is through Scripture. Mm -hmm. By looking at nature, you can't figure out the attributes of God, the nature <clears throat> of man, mm -hmm. heaven, hell, all these issues. You can just yeah. figure out there's a designer, there's a creator. But when we get into the Scripture, the Word of God, then we're going to find out, we're going to get into this high detail about yeah. the, the nature of creation, what is God like, <clears throat> what is man, what is sin, how do we, what's going to happen when we die, all these kind of questions are answered in the Bible. And the third way God is revealed himself the most perfect way is through jesus yeah. and that's why it'll say in john chapter one in the <clears> beginning <throat> was the word the word was with god mm -hmm. and the word was, was god, god. There, there's that's on the table that's the biggie and then later what, what, in that, what does that mean what's that the word was god well he is god come in the flesh that's <clears> what emmanuel <throat> means so right. he's not a lesser god or an angel mm -hmm. or just a an enlightened human mm -hmm. being like some religions might say he is God. So my what what basically it is, there is a God and he visited this planet. That that's end game. That's and of course that's why yeah. it'll say in John chapter one, and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And midway through the Gospel of John, Jesus says, If you've seen me, you've seen the <clears throat> Father. He's the most perfect representation, if you will, of knowledge of God is in the person of Jesus Christ. So you have those three, but we're going to focus on your original question, yeah. David, <clears throat> is, okay, sure. an overview of the Bible, like what you said, 30,000, mm -hmm. kind of a drone shot of the Bible. So you, first of all, think of the Bible as a library. It's 66 books, okay? There's mm -hmm. 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. And it, God claims authorship. That's why all through the Bible you say God said, or God sent his word or the Lord said, and that's why it'll say in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So it's God, what's called God breathed. It's mm -hmm. not like reading a really inspiring <clears throat> um, novel or Shakespeare or any other religious book. It's not like that. It's God writing this message to us human, human instruments, human beings, prophets and apostles. So think of it as 66 books, okay? Um, over the period of about 1,500 years is the writing span. Right. You know? <clears throat> yeah. And uh, approximately 40 different authors of all kinds of career backgrounds. Nearly all are Jewish except maybe uh, Luke. He, mm. he might be Greek, but all others are Jewish in, in terms of uh, they, they're prophets. Right. These are kings, shepherds, tax collectors, fishermen, yeah. small businessmen, all this a wide variety. But what's key here is even though it's 66 books, it's one message. It's all about a holy God that creates a man in his image. When man turns his back on God, and how God 
redeems man, or how, how can an all-holy God come in right relationship with a sinful man or sinful humanity? And that's really this, what they call the big story or the meta-narrative of the Bible, God acting yeah. out over time how he's going to rescue man. And so a couple things about the Bible. One is you have many types of literature, style of literature, they call genre. Mm -hmm. You could have historic, like when you read yeah. the Gospels, they read like history, right? Right. It could be poetic, like the Psalms. It could be Proverbs. There could be parables. There's commandments. Mm -hmm. And then you get into Revelation. That's what's known as apocalyptic language. It's more symbolic. So you have all these different styles of language, still one message. That's the key. Yeah. It's a one-message system. Yeah. And so what I always use, the metaphor, if, um, let's say you're in medical school and you're studying the human body and you're studying the nervous system, you're studying the right. muscle system, you're studying the skeletal system, you're studying all these different systems, the, the tissue looks different. A bone is hard, muscle is soft, you can't hardly see mm -hmm. the nerves, there, so they're like threads. But they all come together in one body, Yeah. right? They're all interdependent, just like the Bible. All the books of the Bible are interdependent, and they coexist together, but it has one singular message, and that one singular message is Jesus Christ. That's why he says, search the scriptures. They testify of me. All the prophets wrote of me. It says in Hebrews chapter 10, in the volume of the book, it is written of him. So again, the human body, all these different systems working together, but one person, yeah. the human body. You know, the visual you gave me when we first started uh, the mentorship mm -hmm. is you said, Dave, uh, it's kind of like a sword. Mm -hmm. The one side of the sword is the Old Testament. Yeah. Let's call it the left side if we're yes. holding it. And the right side is the New Testament. And the point is Christ. Yes. He connects them both. And, and that's why when we put on the armor of God, we say the sword is the word. Yeah. Because we can flip it and move it. We know the old, the new, and Christ connects them both to, to verify and to prove that, in fact, he is the Son of God. Yeah, I think that's a good... he was sent to fulfill all the prophecies. Right. And a sword... It, it says that in Hebrews 4, the word of God yeah. is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. But it, it's a good symbol in the sense that, yeah, the one edge is, is the Old Testament, the other is the New. And they come to a point, well, why that's so important, why we as believers must know this, because if there's false teaching or cult, mm -hmm. you can slice and die, you can, you can probe with your sword, yeah. well, what do you think about Jesus Christ? And if they say well, I think he's Michael the Archangel, or I think he's a great prophet, or if I think he's a, a guru, or mm -hmm. maybe he didn't even live, he's a legend. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, you push the sword in, and, and then you can you can decipher it, you see? And you can see right away it falls apart. So we, as Christians, we have to know how to use the sword, oh, you see? Yeah. Because we live in a day and age, uh, my own fear is that a lot of us Christians don't have a sword, we have a Swiss Army knife. Yes. We know a little about Proverbs, we know a little about the yes. Gospel, but we don't know how to explain. Here's my three primary issues when I'm teaching, David. One, I want believers to understand what they believe. Yeah. They must understand mm -hmm. what it means to come to Christ, be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, access the Word of God. They must understand. Number two, they have to have the ability to explain it. There's all kinds of people out there, they'll listen, and they might ask you a question, well, why do you think Jesus is God? Or can you explain the Trinity? Mm -hmm. Or why would a loving God ever send somebody to hell? We have to be able to explain these, not at a high level maybe, but at least to everyday man. Yeah. And the third, we have to be ready to defend this thing. Yeah. Because it's under attack from nine ways of Sunday. Yes, it so is. going back to your original uh, overview, um, 
once you understand the singularity of the story, and just using the Bible, mm -hmm. uh, the human body metaphor, well, the human body comes alive when there's breath. Mm -hmm. And this is a living word. Again, the Bible, there's no other book in the Bible like the Bible. Because if you take a little bit in, you know, they, sometimes it'll do something. It changes your thinking. Yes. It refreshes you. It convicts you. It illuminates. Oh, I never saw that before. I get this now. You know, it helps you to pray. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing it does, wherever you cut the human body, what happens? It bleeds. Yep. So from Genesis to Revelation, what do you see? The blood. Yes. They call it the scarlet thread. <laughs> it runs all the way through. Because that's why? A, yeah, that's great. Without the shedding of blood, mm -hmm. there is no remission of sins. Right. That no other religion has that. You see? Yeah. There's something unique because blood equals life and to shed blood equals death and sin equals death. And that's why the remedy is not you need more information or here I'm going to show you these noble truths. Here's how to live your life. No, we are guilty. Yeah. We owe a debt, uh, and and Jesus enters in and he pays that debt through his death on the cross, through shedding the blood, and then we can go free. You understand? That's oh, yeah. it's more of a transaction than information. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying. So that kind of goes to your question. Yeah. No. No, that's excellent. And you know, the other thing too is that there is one God. Yeah. That he, you know, you told me because you used to do cartoons. I know. Mm -hmm. Um, you told me, you know, another way to look at it, Dave, is that the cartoonist can write himself into the script yeah. anytime he wants. And that's unique to our faith. Yeah. That, you know, Jesus, the Son of God, came down, took human form, died for our sins, shed his blood, and then rose on the third day and allowed us to have eternal life if we follow him. Yeah, you're right. follow his practices. Thanks. That's unique to our faith. If we didn't have that, we wouldn't be sitting here. Oh, no, you're yeah, exactly right, right David. So, Christians. again, yeah. when I look at other religions uh -huh. and worldviews, let's widen it out. Right. Um, most of them have what's called a moral conduct. Mm -hmm. They have a moral code you should live by. It might be, you know, don't be a drunkard, don't commit adultery, don't steal. Right. These are good codes to live by. Don't get me wrong. But they don't have this, this, this idea of we owe a debt. We've fallen short of the glory of God. We are spiritually dead. That, that's what the Bible will clearly say. So when Jesus comes, he comes into this world. He doesn't talk like other religious leaders. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He forgives sins. Uh, he, people fall down before him and worship him. He doesn't say, don't do it, don't yeah. do it. He freely receives worship. He ascends back into heaven. Yeah. He says, We're, I, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. you see, he says, I'm coming back on, judge, on, on clouds of glory to judge you. These are hard saints that no they prophet are. would say. You see? Yeah. So that establishes the fact that... Now, somebody might say he's a liar or he's crazy to say that. And that was what C.S. Lewis said. It's called the trilemma, which he basically said, look, either Jesus Christ is a, is, is a, a legend... He's a lawyer right. or he's Lord. He doesn't leave no in-between there, like he's a good man or he's a holy prophet. He doesn't leave you that kind of room. No prophet in the Old Testament like Moses or Elijah or Isaiah would say, um, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Or um, yeah. uh, it says in Hebrews, let all the angels worship him. Or, or I forgive your sins. You <laughs> see? Or, you know, yeah. you can't, these prophets would never say that because that belongs to God alone. And that's what Jesus was claiming. Well, so in the spirit of that, you know, one of the big questions is, is the Bible reliable? Right. You know, um, you know, I've heard, you know, even when you think about the Jonah story where, 
you know, he was swallowed in a whale's mouth for three days. You know, and some people reach for stories like that in the Bible to say that that's impossible. Hmm. How do you answer that question? Is the Bible reliable? Well, I think you have to start with God. Yeah. Is God all-powerful? Yeah. Now, if God's all-powerful, there's nothing he couldn't do. Go back to the cartoon illustration. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the, the figures, the characters, the cartoonist writes in that little page, two-dimensional page right. of paper, they're very limited. I mean, let's say they had a little bit of intelligence. They they just know one panel to the next panel. But if the, if the artist or the creator was going to write himself in, well, he would do things they couldn't do because he's coming from another dimension. Right. So, I mean, if God is God and he created this whole universe, are you crazy? You know, oh, sure. I mean, of the plant, yeah. do you think he could walk on water? If he created life in the first place, don't, couldn't he raise somebody from the dead? So, if a person truly believes in God and believes God is all-powerful yeah. and almighty, uh, these miracles are, I mean, it's, it's simply nothing for him. But he does miracles to authenticate who he is. So if anybody, for example, anybody could come along and they've done it through the ages and say they're the son of God, mm -hmm. they're the Messiah. Well, if you're going to say that, why should we believe you? And they go, well, you should just believe me or this or that. You know, well, if, if somebody comes and they says, yeah, and then he's raising dead people, mm -hmm. he's walking on water, he's, he's feeding 5,000, you know, with two fishes and five loaves, then you're going to kind of be more curious, like, whoa, he seems like he's really backing up his statements of yeah. who he is. Yeah, and, you know, the people that wrote about Christ, uh, the resurrection, his miracles, his sayings, uh, you know, these were people, these were eyewitnesses. Yes, right. These were a lot of his, you know, apostles. Um, you know, they're the ones that, that wrote about all this stuff. So you have firsthand reliable source in that case. So, John, can the Bible help us make decisions in our life? You know, isn't it a blueprint for a purposeful life in your mind? Yeah, and right. And how so? Yeah, well, Jesus says in John chapter 10, 10, the enemy, which is the devil, comes to rob, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life mm -hmm. and life more abundantly. What I, My interpretation there is life is salvation, but life more abundantly is a flourishing life. I'm not talking like a prosperity gospel, right. but I'm just saying life makes sense. It gives you a way to... It answers what I call the big four questions of mm -hmm. life, existence. Origin, how did this thing yes. all start? Mm -hmm. Meaning, does life have purpose or meaning, or is it just eat, drink, and be merry, tomorrow you're going to die? Uh, morality, does it have a, a high code of morality? And finally, destiny, what's, what happens when I die? You know, I mean, everybody should think about those questions. I don't care where they're coming from, because we only have a limited time. You know, we only have a limited shelf life. You know, if you st from yeah. one to a hundred years, that's our span. So yeah. if you're going to believe in somebody, believe in somebody that dies and comes back. Yeah. Because he answers life's biggest question or biggest fear. So, yeah, to your question, David, it teaches you how to live life. It teaches you how to raise your children. It teaches right. you how to treat employees. It teaches you that there's a, a God who cares and you mm -hmm. can pray to him. Right. It teaches you that there's a demonic realm. As Peter says, be alert, be aware. Your enemy, yes. the devil goes about seeking whom he may devour. Well, look at how lives are being destroyed today. Poor people are caught up with alcohol mm -hmm. or drugs, pornography, and uh, broken marriages. Because why? They, we, we were not following the owner's mm -hmm. manual. Yeah. My friend, when I was growing up, all, when I was 17, 18, we'd all buy a car and they broke down. They all, they were, my friend got, I don't know how he got it. He got a Mercedes Benz, right? Nice car. 
and about a year it was it was no good. He didn't check the oil, but he didn't follow the owner's manual. Yeah, that was in right. the glove compartment. <laughs> now the car was still good. It looked good. It was still a Mercedes Benz, but he could not blame the the, the dealership or the makers of Mercedes Benz. Right. For wrecking that car mm -hmm. he wrecked the car didn't yeah. change oil didn't get all the upkeep because he didn't read the owner's manual man messes up because he doesn't read the owner's manual right read the owner's manual and things will go a lot better right. not to say we're not gonna we're all gonna suffer in this world right. loss and mm -hmm. setbacks and ultimately death but he's he's come to give us a good life yeah. now I've been a believer for 45 years now I wouldn't share it for nothing for nothing I've seen too much. It's true. And then the closer we get to death, nobody wants to die, but there's not that morbid fear and that, oh my goodness, right. what's going to happen? Right. There's a sense that, hey, he never leave you nor forsake you. The best of Jesus says, I, it says in the scripture, I have not seen nor ear heard nor entered into the mind of man what great things God has prepared for those that love him. And so, yeah, so I, I, I want to talk about origin, meaning, uh, morality, and destiny. What is the meaning of life, and what is our destiny from the Bible? Okay, well, I'll, I'll start with the first. I yeah. mean, origin. <clears throat> Go ahead. Once you establish the fact in Genesis, the first verse is, in the beginning, God. Yes. God doesn't give you ten reasons to believe in him right out of the box. He says, in the beginning, God mm -hmm. created the heavens and the earth. Okay, so that suggests an orderly systematic way he, he made the earth, the planets, the uh, water cycle, yeah. the, everything, all interdependent. The planet was system. oval. We saw that even before Christopher yeah. Columbus. Yeah. <laughs> we, so, we saw the currents in Genesis, yeah. how the oceans were formed. That's the amazing thing. It's oh. all right there, man. Yeah. From the Milky Way to the molecule, right. it's just so intricately. Yeah. There's so many ways. We could do a whole program oh, on that, but yeah. I mean, if you consider design, yeah. And then you consider fine-tuning. Right. What if the sun is just a little bit closer today? <laughs> yeah. Know, we, we burn out. Yes. I mean, we stay within a range yep. of about uh, 20 below zero mm -hmm. to about 20 Perfect. Uh, up over yeah. 100 in a hot climate mm -hmm. around the world. But we're, we're in this really happy zone. Yeah. And if, if it pulls away, we freeze if the winter lasts longer. If the moon comes closer, we're sitting in water because yeah. it's going to bring the tides of Lake Erie yeah. up to... My point being, everything is finely tuned. Yes. So that gets you the origin. Because God makes us in his image, we're not like a, a, a squirrel or an eagle. He makes us in his image for a purpose. Uh, he wants to have fellowship. He wants to share um, his creative powers, his love for us. Here's what it says in Isaiah 43, verse 7. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created... For my glory. Yeah. For my glory. Mm. We. It's almost like, if I can reduce it down to uh, a couple gets married, right? Right? Now, they love each other dearly, deeply. Now, they don't have to have children, right? But a child is kind of an overflow and an expression of their love one for another. Yeah. Is it not? <clears throat> and the, the hope being that you just pour love on this very... A dependent little mm -hmm. creature, this little baby that comes into the world, right. and he brings joy into your life, and you reciprocate joy here. Right. That's I'm talking about an ideal world. So extend that to God. He, yeah. He's complete. He doesn't need <clears throat> us. He's complete in the Godhead, in the Trinity. You know, there's no necessity for any angel or human beings or anything. But out of His love to share that he, who He is, He creates the angelic beings, and then He creates human beings. 
And he lets us participate in creation, in procreation, that we can bring into this world, an ideal world, through an act of love, physical love, a creature that's never been here before that has an eternal destiny. Yeah. See, he allows us, oh, yeah. because we're made in his image, to bring something <clears throat> into this world. So when you start looking at creation in the order, of, you can start figuring things out. But when you look at the word of God, then you say, oh, we're here to glorify God. And that's why it says in Corinthians, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. In other words, give thanks to God and say, wow, I've got a yes. nice cold bottle of water to drink. It's refreshed my body. Um, it, just like a son or a daughter should bring honor to the family name. Think of the parable of the prodigal son. Well, he dishonored the family name, right? But then he came back and he repented and he mm -hmm. honored. Yeah. The, the biggest thing we can do, in a sense, is to, is to bring honor to our family name, to the Abood family, right. to the Mirtha family. Right. But more importantly, is to bring glory and honor to our Heavenly Father. And that's why it says when we pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. <clears throat> right. In other words, people looking at your life or my life might see a reflection of the glory of God. We're trying to give glory to God. We're imperfect people, don't get me wrong. But we want our lives to reflect back on God and say, He's a good God, you know. So that is the long about purpose of life. Therefore, God wants us to enjoy life. It clearly says that. He's given us, you know, rain and, and fruitful right. seasons and right. relationships and families and skill set that we can develop, creativity, and uh, the ability to share his love with others through yeah. the word of God and through helping people. But the world is broken. The, the Bible clearly says that, and people are going the other way. They're just going down a straight and narrow to destruction. And once you come to Christ, you know what it's like. I know what it's like, David. We were just blind. That's what the Bible says. Before, we were blinded. Now, we might have been somewhat moral. Maybe we went to church or right. sang in the choir. Yeah. But we didn't know God. We right. didn't. To me, if you really know that Jesus Christ came into this world, lived perfect, sinless life, willingly, nobody put him on that cross. Jesus even says, no man taketh my life from me. I take, I give it yeah. down. I give it yeah. willing. Anyone that can calm a storm and do all that, raise the dead. Nobody's coming and taking his, quote unquote, taking his life. But he did it for you. He did it for me. I mean, literally, he, he, he was nailed to a cross six hours on a hot, one of the most gruesome tortures man ever invented. Yes. But he did it for me, John right. Michael Murtha. When that <clears throat> hit me here, then I thought, whoa, uh, after that, when I accepted Christ, you're a little obsessed with Jesus. That's what I call it. Not, uh, not in a fanatical way, but you think about him. And you, you pray to him and you want to do things that bring honor to him. Am I right? You know what I mean? It's what I call your... Your behavior changes dramatically. Yeah, at, yeah. at least, you know, I can speak from your and my perspective, not to speak for you, but we've talked so much about it. Mm -hmm. And um, then in terms of our destiny, That's what's the our, you know, because we see so much of it, John. You know, a lot of people might accumulate a ton of wealth. They might accumulate a ton of fame, prestige, and they're still searching. Yeah. So, so what is humans' destiny? So that's a good point. Would you bring up? <clears throat> it says in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter three, and I, be, I think it's verse eleven, uh, that God has placed eternity in our hearts. Yeah. In other words, man knows deep down there's more to life than this. There's more to life than just going out and working and getting food 
and, and having a family and getting older and dying. They know there's something more, right? This is it's St. Augustine says, Our hearts are restless, O Lord, yeah. until they find their rest in thee. We're searching. So and nothing can fill that. I think it was Blaise Pascal said it's like a, a hole in the heart yes. that only God can fill. But we can try celebrity, we can try wealth, we can try uh, travel, we can try all not saying these things are bad in themselves, but they can't fill. Nothing out here can ultimately fulfill that which is in here. Yeah. So man's destiny, I mean, when you when you push it out, the one thing we all know is we're going to die. Now, a lot of people don't want to think about that, right? They don't, they don't want to, that's why they're distracted. Yeah. Possessions and entertainment, all this <clears throat> stuff, but it's real. So there's only destiny where we're headed. There's only three main answers to what happens when we die. There's only three. And this question was asked way back in um, the book of Job. I believe it's in Job chapter 4, verse 14, where he says, if man dies, shall he live again? That That's... People ask that all over the place, do they not? It says, uh, make sure I got this right. Um, Job chapter 4, verse 14 uh, will say, If a man dies, shall he live again? Is that That's the question of the ages, yes. which you just asked. Right. So that's called destiny. Where are we going? Number one, what the atheists would say, I'm talking Christopher Hitchens, Dawkins, all through mm-hmm. the ages. They would say nothing happens. Yeah. You die. You don't have a personality that survives. You do certainly don't have a soul. Don't worry about it. Uh, it's what's called annihilation. That's the famous. It's just yeah. like you breathe your last breath and just like shut the TV off, click. It just that's everything's over. The second answer to destiny or what happens when we die is more Eastern Buddhism, Hindu, Taoism, uh-huh. and they would suggest you come back. Your soul right. keeps coming back in what's called reincarnation <clears throat> because you're attached to this material world and your soul dies and it has to come back and be part of the material desires and cravings. It's a longer explanation, but nevertheless, they say you're going to keep coming back and keep coming back until you can finally get off what they call this wheel uh, mm. of karma. Um, the Bible clearly does not. It says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, it is appointed for man to die once. And then comes the judgment. So that's your third option, which is there's you die, your soul, your soul is the most important part of you. Your, your most important part of possession, you don't even see it. But Jesus says, what is it? Profit a man. Yeah. He gains the whole world and loses his soul. So the soul is the key, David. So if, 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 if a person drives a car and they get in an accident and they call you, the first thing you want to say is, what condition is a car? And the first th- yeah. thing you say, are you okay? Right. You're more concerned with the driver than the car. So modern man is more concerned with the body than his soul. Think of the soul as the driver and the car as the body. The body's going to go in 100 years, right? Yeah. So, you know, but the soul lives on. And that's right. why Jesus even says, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Better to enter paradise with one hand than two. You go to hell with two hands. So he puts great importance on the destiny of the soul. So that goes back to your original question about destiny. But the beauty of a Christian is not only do we know this, but we can actually start laying up treasure in heaven. Jesus says, lay up treasure in heaven. You know, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, Jesus says you will not lose your reward. If you help people, if you share the gospel, if you disciple people, if you minister to the poor, the widow, anything you do for the glory of God. Now, if you do it just to be noticed or get an award, then you kind of received your reward on earth. 
But if you do these things somewhat to the glory of God, yeah. anonymously, and you if don't, need be. You don't tell people about it. Yeah, they might notice, but you're laying up treasure in heaven. My point being that we are very conscious of our afterlife. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember once it was, I think it was the famous atheist Richard <clears throat> Dawkins says, don't worry about death. He says, well, on this one, I'm going to go with Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Because he says... <clears throat> He says, you know, I agree with you. <laughs> uh, he gives a famous parable, David, where it talks about this wealthy man who had a really uh, an abundant crop, uh, you know, and he had so much uh, harvest. He yeah. had to buy new silos, storage to put more. And then he had more. And now he wasn't doing anything wrong. He was being a good businessman, you know, in terms mm -hmm. of stewardship and investment. But he keeps saying, um, I have much now. Take ease, my soul. I can retire. I have all this. And then it, then Jesus says, and then there's a voice says, from God says, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. See, he made plans for this life, but only this life. Everything was temporal. Everything was physical. Everything yeah. was focused on himself. But in a sense, he wasn't doing anything bad, being a, a good businessman, but he didn't leave room for God. You see, you can be a great businessman, but leave room for God. Give him, give him the glory. Yeah. Pray to him. Share the benefits of the wealth you have. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But he, 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 he had every, all the T's crossed, all the I's. He had his 501C, retirement village, all of this yeah. stuff. But thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I've heard people say is a lot of people don't like to think thinking about retirement because they think you're just then your last segment of your life you're just waiting to die yeah right so one of the things that that you um instilled in me is the fact that even though the physical self is deteriorating the inner self is continuing to grow and build and we can do that all the way uh into our grave and so that's the exciting part yeah. is that we're continuing to grow spiritually as we go further into our walk. So, you know, an, another thing that came up is people always ask me, what is Christianity? How do you right. define it? I mean, are you Roman Catholic? Are you this? Oh, are you that? Yeah. What is Christianity? Well, yeah, I mean, even when Peter gives the famous sermon on the first day of yeah. the, the church's birthday, they call it Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit uh -huh. came out. And they said, what must we do to be saved or be in right relationship with God? And he's re repent. He says, be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Christianity, at it, I'm talking at the basic base level, right? Mm -hmm. is, is that you now are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. That's why the Bible will clearly say, yeah. he that has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son of God does not have life. Mm -hmm. Because what? We're born into this world spiritually dead. Yeah. It clearly says that. It says in uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, uh, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. So we don't need a new moral code or a behavior or quit to drinking or pornography. Those are all bad things to do. But, don't get, but man's big problem is he's separated from God. That's the big problem. Mm -hmm. If it was just about information, you could go with any other religion or philosophy that treats you to be a quote-unquote a good person. But the key with the Christian faith, you ask the question, what at the base level, what's a Christian? Yeah. Is a person that recognizes his need for a Savior turns from that life and by faith receives Christ. If you that's why it says if you have the Son, you have life. That's why there's really only two classes of people in the world. It's not by ethnicity, it's not by race. It's either 
you're, you're born again, you have that new life in Christ, or you don't. That's it. That there's only two classes of people. You know, he that has the Son and he that does not have the Son. That's why there's an urgency for people. Paul even says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. It says, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Is Christ in you? Is Christ in you? You might be a very religious person. Let me give you the illustration of a Christmas tree. If you go out and cut down a pine tree and put it in your house and decorate it with lights and bulbs and a star and tinsel, well, yeah, it looks pretty, but what's going to happen after three weeks or a month? It's dead. Oh, yeah. It's, it was dead, actually, when you cut it off right. from its root system, right? <laughs> yeah. But it looked good. It looked yeah. good for three weeks. Yeah, it can maintain it for but, a while. But if you go outside and you have a pine tree in your, in your garden or in your back, it's going to be year mm -hmm. in, year out, because why? It's attached to the source mm -hmm. of life. Mm -hmm. So, too... Christians are like that Christmas tree. I mean, unbelievers are like that Christmas tree cut off from life, even though we decorate it with good works and going to church and doing this or doing that. It's still dead. It's short-lived. It's short-lived. Yeah. But if, you, if, you, if you're mm -hmm. attached to the source of life, yeah. i.e. God, then you can bear fruit. Then you can decorate it if you want with mm -hmm. good works and all this other stuff. But the key is separation. That's your basic working of a, of a Christian. That's why Jesus says to a very religious man, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. You need the Spirit of God. That And a lot of people go to church, I'm saying this, David, on any given Sunday, they don't understand it. Yep. They think if I'm religious, then I'm, I'm in a good relationship. I, with I didn't God. understand it for a long time, John. You know, so I wrote down Christianity is a religion based upon the teaching and miracles of Jesus. Jesus is the Christ. The word Christ means anointed one. Well, that sets the scene. Yeah. But in terms of what, what a Christian is, mm -hmm. a Christian is one who, who, who has new life in Christ. <clears throat> yep. You know, is, now, what you just read sets the basis of it right. that Jesus authenticates who he is. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you consider he only has three years, but he authenticates who he is through right. the miracle, his words, fulfillment of prophecy. Right. But then once he goes to that cross... Yeah. Uh, that that he leaves the realm of just a regular teacher or anything else. He's on that cross, forgiving his enemies and saying to the repentant thief, uh, "Lord, forgive. Uh, remember me when you come into your kingdom." Yes. He recognized he was a sinner, and that spoke of the afterlife. But he he recognized that only Jesus could give him that life. So again, go back to our original question. I, I'm right. taking the negative view in the sense that. So many people think being a Christian, I go to church now. I, I put yes. money in the basket. I sing in the choir. I try to live a good moral life. Those are all good things, but that's not the main thing. You see, the main yeah. thing is you now have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You turn from your old ways, what the Bible calls repent. By faith, you receive Christ. He's indwelling you, and he's transforming you into the image of Christ. That's what happens when you accept Christ. Yeah. Your behavior, mm -hmm. your your, uh, your your thought life, yeah. your words, your attitude, what you spend money on. Everything changes to glorify God. I, I mean, when you think about it, a, a lot of people have issues with their mood, mm. their temperament, uh, their activities because they don't have those answers for yeah, origin, right. meaning, morality, and destiny. And when you do, uh, I guess a peace comes over you. Uh, it, at least it did for me oh, that yeah. you know that we're on this path now, but we're on a protected path too. If we stay doing the right things, right? I mean, you can't go out and start shooting people yeah, and say right. you're a Christian, right? Right. But um, but it, it gives you that kind of protection and peace. 
regardless of what's going on around you. Yeah, and, right. And, and so that, that that's really the big thing it gets. And, and instead of just retiring and saying, okay, I'm going to play golf five times a week, I'm going to, you know, drink my whatever and smoke whatever uh, because, you know, I've only got another 20 years on right. the planet. Right, That's that's not a way I wanted to go. And so I, I feel very blessed. And now I know that the more I get into the word, the more I'm growing not just getting closer to my grave, but I'm actually growing each and every day before I get to my grave. Right. So it's kind of like there's an infant in me spiritually yeah. that, you know, hopefully going to turn into a teenager soon and then keep going. So that's the exciting part Yeah. is, is you're growing even though you're physically not. Right. You, you know, you're going the other way. You're it, degenerating. Yeah. If you're a Christian, it's called the inner man. Right. So here's what it says to your mm -hmm. point about uh, growing. In, yeah. In, in, he says, therefore, we do not get discouraged, even though the, our outward man is perishing. That's our body, our mm -hmm. physical body. Right. We're not getting healthier, right? I mean, we're just what it is as age moves on. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Right. For our light affliction, that is life on this earth, which is but for a moment. It's Our life is like that, okay? Is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Mm -hmm. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So we focus on the thing we can't see, our soul. Yeah. Well, how can I? How can I? How can I grow my soul? How can I be more conformed to the image of Christ? How can I renew my mind? Because then, like you say, you're becoming, in a sense, more childlike in one way, but in terms of innocence and wonder, mm -hmm. dependency on God, and this all out here is passing away. Right. I mean, this, I'm serious. I mean, this. This whole thing could be over. I mean, I, I oh, always yeah. quote the I, uh, Twin Towers. Oh. When they went down, I think the average age of the people in going up the Twin Towers was 35 years old. Yeah. Now, they didn't think that was their last no. day. They were probably planning mm -hmm. vacations and career moves and thinking, you know. But the Bible says in Psalm 90, boast not thyself of tomorrow. You don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. I mean, something crazy could happen. A meteor, I could say. Uh, China, India, not intentionally, mistakenly set off nukes, which we respond. And my, my point being, life is fragile. Now, we live to live a long time. That's our outlook. Mm -hmm. And we should yeah, you know, well, make plans and yeah. education and <clears throat> build a new house or right, whatever. Right. But we have to realize this thing is fragile. You know, and, and what is not fragile is the security we have in Christ. If you're truly born again, he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And, and you can take that to the bank. You know, that, that's a secure because you're a child of God. And just as a parent, I'm never going to abandon my child or say you're not my child, even though they misbehave yeah. or do something, they're still my child. So too, we can rest in that, that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And But he wants to use us in this lifetime to, to touch a lot of lives for his glory, you see. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, um, do you read the Bible every day? Yeah, I try okay. every day. Yeah, I try to read the Bible. And, and if yes, why do you? What do you get out of it? Well, I mean, why, yeah. do you, what, why is it important to be in the Word? I mean, yeah, the Bible's one thing and opening it up and starting to learn, but why is it important uh, to have kind of a regular regimen with it? Well, whatever you do on a regular basis becomes part of you. Yeah. Okay. So, for example, in American culture today, there's an addiction to the news. People are just addicted oh boy, to the yeah. news. And there's, a, there's not a lot... There's not a lot of new stuff out there, I'm no. just telling you. No. But it causes anxiety, it causes kind of stress, yeah. maybe a little bit of news.
But the Bible is the exact opposite. Number one, you read it because Jesus said, man should not live by bread alone, but by every word other through the mouth of God. Yes. And the you'll, as you read the word, you understand it better because it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. You can increase your faith, but it also does something spiritually, even though you might not understand a passage if you're in the Old Testament, you don't, but it's going into you and it's working, I believe, on subconscious levels and doing different things mm -hmm. in setting up an orderly um, mental outlook. And it's, it can inspire you. It can convict you of sin. It helps you to share with others the more faith. People that tend to share their faith are people that have a, a deep uh, reservoir of the Word of God. You see, it's easy yeah. to, to minister to people. So, yeah, there's many benefits. I mean, it says in, what is it, 2 Timothy chapter 3, all scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for correction, um, for uh, reproof, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God might be fully mature, thoroughly equipped. On it. And we live in a day and age when a lot of Christians, we aren't mature. Yeah. We don't, we, we, you know, we're living on a fast food diet, you know, of uh, just a little bit of the Bible here and right. there and a little bit of the yeah. parables and a little, little, <clears throat> little. And then you can't do that anymore because the world is coming in, man. And Absolutely. It's attacking the Christian faith. It, uh, it We're losing our emphasis. We're losing, you know, mm -hmm. we're called to be salt and light. Yes. Well, we're losing that saltiness. We're losing that. Because, again, we're kind of caught up with the world. The world's is, mm -hmm. we'll do a show on that, but the world is spinning, you know, and it's, it's got all these bright lights and all yeah. this stuff to dis distract yeah. you. But if... This, look, this book, like we just talked earlier, it's thousands of years old. It is the best-selling book in the world today. Yes, it it's is. the most yeah. It's not going anywhere, you know what I'm saying, David? Yeah. So we might as well invest in it because it has a permanence. It has a certain permanent quality to yeah. it. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Well, another question I hear a lot is, how can Jesus be the only way to God? Well, it's like saying, what, why... 2 plus 2 equals 4. Why is that the only answer? Yeah. Why can't it be 5 or mm -hmm. 33 or what? Because truth, by definition, is exclusive. Mm -hmm. Truth, by definition, is exclusive. Yep. 2 plus 2 equals 4 excludes all the other numbers, right? That's, yeah. that's, that's the definition of truth. So if Jesus truly is God, and he came down here, mm -hmm. and he goes through this life, and he provides, he dies on the cross, he raised, nobody else does that. No other religious leader says, destroy this temple, I'll raise it in three days. You're going to kill me, but I'm going to be risen in three days. Nobody says that. We can't go to his tomb. Yeah. You know, it's empty. I've been there in Jerusalem. I lead tours to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. It's empty. You can go all of the tombs of the famous founders of mm -hmm. religion, whether it's Muhammad or Joseph Smith or whoever. There it is. It's a big monument, and his body's in there decayed. Not so with Jesus. So th these kinds of things tell you that this is this is real yeah you know? and and uh again he answers life's biggest mystery he death. does yeah death and uh, nobody answers that like that and no one you know you brought this up too no one ever spoke the way he did oh, no. i mean you couldn't make that up the no. stuff that he said his you know his his uh, conviction in saying it you know his authority in oh. saying it um Not like so that. I yeah mean, you look at the Sermon on the Mount. Oh, gosh. I mean, here, wow. he's saying, pray for those that despitefully use you. If, you, if they insult you, yeah. turn the other cheek. Yeah. Um, help those who are in need. Uh, this is this is counterculture. Right. I mean, um, you know, I go to prepare a place for you. 
mm-hmm. you know, who yeah. would say these kind of things? Exactly. You know, I mean, yeah. unless it, he is who he says he oh is. Oh my gosh, I know. <laughs> Actually, we should do a show on on the prayer of the mount. Um, so, John, why is there evil and suffering? That, that's another big one. You know, if this is all true and God came to save us and He's a loving God. Yes. Why is there evil and suffering still yeah. in the world? Yeah. Especially after Jesus, you know, came down, died, and rose for us. Why is it still here? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, it's a big question. I mean, we could actually probably do a show a on it. A whole show on it, I know, I but I wanted a, to bring it up. A couple of things in terms of foundational baseline. This world, as it stands today, was not how God originally created it. That's true. That you got to yeah. remember that. Because at the end of the sixth day, when God finishes with all creation, he creates man, uh, Adam and Eve. And he says, he just doesn't say it's all good. He says it's very good. Now, at that point in time, there was no disease. There was no demonic influence. There was no death. Mm -hmm. There was none of this murder and all this other stuff. It was a perfect, uh, pristine world, right? And now what happened, because man had free will, I mean, man had the ability to choose to honor and obey God or not. And when, when God says, look, everything here is provided for you, don't go through that door. Don't partake of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't go through that door or there's going to be death on the other side. Mm-hmm. When Adam and Eve turned their back on God and went through that door, the door slammed behind them. And they entered a whole new world of death and destruction. And Now, God has worked a way to, to bring them back. But once they go through <clears throat> that door, so to speak, mm-hmm. then a whole new that that it says thorns and thistles come up popping yeah. up out of the ground. There's going to be pain in childbirth. You see, the devil has now got involvement in the human predicament. We've we've opened the door to let him in. So you have all of these kind of systems uh, that weren't here before are now in place. So you have what's called natural disasters. You have tsunamis. You have hurricanes. You have cancers. They've entered into the human condition, right? Then you have moral. You have Hitlers. You have uh, mass murders. You have people, uh, child abuse, wife abuse, all these other. You see, you have natural. To really get into this, you have to look at the different levels of evil and suffering. Mm-hmm. And then realize when Jesus comes, he just doesn't preach against suffering or pain or death. He embraced it. That's what the cross is all about. He enters in to our human suffering, so to speak, and he takes it on himself. But he does that so he can turn things and get us back on the right road. And that's why it says anybody who accepts Jesus' sacrifice, he's a new creation. Now, we're not not—we're still in an imperfect that's body, good. but yeah. we're headed towards a new creation, mm-hmm. and we can actually become change agents. What I mean by that, we can, we can be forgiving to people. We can be a good father. Uh, if we have exit with money, we can help the poor. We can plant deep wells. We can take the gospel to the earth. We can actually start remedying the ills. Now, the ills of the world, both natural and moral, will not be resolved until the Prince of Peace finally returns. Yes, and that's when the lion will lay down with the lamb, and there, you know, there'll be a, 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 like a, almost a Garden of Eden tranquility. Yes, about it, and that's why the urgency is to tell people, hey, the best is yet to come. Now, we might go through some real hard times to get there because really, quite honestly, David, the man is really is the culprit. Because if you know as well as I do, the brain power we have on this earth, if we applied it oh, gosh. to medicine, yeah. uh, hunger, mm-hmm. food production, uh, we could solve this problem. I mean, really. Oh, you yeah. Know, but we don't. And, and we put it in a, everything from you know weapon systems to... Um, 
abusing people and you know all these kinds of things but really uh, it's a start now the kingdom of God has started in a, in a small he uh -huh. starts with 12 men and then there's 120 in that upper room but today there's 2.5 billion people on the planet earth somehow some way I'm not saying they're all Christian but they name the name of Christ and there's been tremendous good uh, when you consider orphanages oh, and gosh, hospitals yeah. uh -huh. so many hospitals are like St. Luke and Mount right. Sinai and Charity Hospital and then literacy and all of this is because of Jesus you see I'm not yeah. saying it's only Christians that do it but by and large the good that's come on this planet because of Jesus is enormous now somebody might misuse that that's a whole different thing but they're not following his instruction when they misuse that and hurt people or yes you know, so but uh, yeah those are all big questions that we could actually address on a, on a kind of a full show. Good oh, boy. Yeah, Can't I believe know. how far we got. I know. We've, yeah. uh, well, John, how about this in closing? I, I don't want to leave in any negative sure. manner. But, you know, one of the big questions, too, is what about those who never hear of Jesus? Hmm. Can they get into heaven like believers? Well, what, I mean, how do, we, how do we respond to that question? And I, I've been asked that question a lot. Well, a couple things on that question. Number one, like I said earlier, Romans chapter 1 verse 20 would suggest that creation alone should tell all people that there is a creator God. Now that doesn't tell them all nature about yeah. God and the salvation, yeah. but they should know there's a God, so they have that much light right. for them. Um, number two, we, have, we as Christians bear the responsibility to, to help tell those people who never heard that they might have a choice. And that's going all over the world today. I mean, not just physically people going like in missions or something, but I'm talking internet and radio and TV. It's going around the world, right, David? Yes. Uh, ultimately, uh, as a teacher, or as a missionary, I can only go as far as the, the Word of God says, right? Uh, uh, you know, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Uh, for God right. so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting So. I, I leave that in God's hands, but from my point of view, mm -hmm. I'm, I, I share the gospel with the idea that these people need to hear the gospel. Now, does God have something else, how he judges, and that's in his hands. All I know from my scriptural understanding of scripture, I want people to know that there is a way. You know, the, the, the Titanic is sinking, but there's enough lifeboats to get people off. Yeah. You know, so that, that's what's going on. Yeah. So, so, so Jan, that, that was great. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, we can pick it up again, Dave, because sure. these are good questions, and they can lead to more questions. Uh, the thing is, too, I don't have all the answers. Oh, it says in Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to God and Him alone, but the things He has revealed, He's revealed to us and to our children. And it's a lot. We understand about God, about salvation, about how prayer. We understand about the supernatural realm of angels and demons. We know something about heaven. So we do know a lot, but there's a lot we don't know. Right. And I think this thing of evil or what about those that haven't heard, touch on those some of those areas. But anyhow, I appreciate everybody listening today. Thank this you. This is WNZN Radio coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. And uh, I think before I do close, I'm just going to um, close in a word of prayer. But what I urge everybody that's listening, really examine yourself as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Uh, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. Is Christ in you? Unless you fail the test. Right. And what he means by that, have you made 
a decision to accept Jesus Christ into your life and turn your back on your old way, what the Bible calls repentance, just turn around. And, and, and maybe you don't understand a lot about the Bible, but just quietly pray in your own bedroom or living room, wherever it might be, Lord, please reveal yourself. I want to know you. Right. And then I would suggest the best place to go then is to go and uh, be part of a church. Yes. They're there to help you. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I say church, I'm talking about a Bible-believing church. Now, I'm yeah. not talking Jehovah Witness or Mormon or these kinds of things. I'm talking a Bible-believing church where the Word of God, the Scriptures are going to be explained to you. People know how to pray, and they can help you along the way. So, having said that, David, uh, maybe I'll close. Maybe somebody Sounds out there great. is just on the edge, and they really want to commit their life to Christ. Thanks, Jan. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day you've given to us. Truly, this is the day that you have made. And we will rejoice. We will be glad in it. And we just thank you for this radio station of WNZN, that it's a platform to get your word out there, praise music and the scriptures and testimonies. But end of the day, we just want to see people come to know Jesus and to grow in Jesus. So I pray for all those that are listening, especially those that may be doubting. They're on the fence. They might think they've sinned too much. God would never accept them. But the the Bible clearly says, though your sins be as scarlet, they can be as white as snow. And though they be as red as crimson, they can be as white as wool. So God is reaching out his hand. Uh, This could be a time for you to just uh, reach out and grab the Lord's hand and and just pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. I thank you for the great price that Jesus came and he died for me. He died for me. But he wants to give me new life. And I would uh, admit that and confess that and receive Jesus Christ into my life and to pray and to, and to just grow as I look at the scriptures day by day. So uh, God bless you all once again. And thank you for tuning in. Thank you, David. Thank you very here. much. God bless you.